I, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I do need to watch it. I've, I've, yeah, I've not got a chance. I will do. It's great. It's just such a. It's in. It's one of those things um, that like takes a very earnest but very realistic look at the nature of humanity, um, and it's the kind of narrative that you don't really see too often in anime, um, yeah. and especially with how like front facing and public this series is it's one of those things where it's like i am so happy that it is popular because it shows people what this medium can do yeah totally but i think i think it is one of the mm -hmm. one of the amazing things about anime is just how it does uh transcend so many many genre norms and it it just shows the infinite variety of what it can do that yeah, and I guess that is so uh, stuff like this is, is is proof of that yeah. So mildly related, but I've been pretty busy with work, um, so that's why I haven't really been keeping up with a huge amount of media. But one of so I am a community manager for Xbox as a refresher for anybody who is listening, and one of my things, my little pet projects, is that I am trying to push forward anime, um, and VTuber engagements and interactions and make it more acceptable and normalized and part of the brand but a large part of that is this idea that you know i'm trying to elevate the positivity to it that there is in fact more to anime and anime fans than waifu simps although i will not deny that i am one of them uh it's just not something i think that really needs to necessarily like be advertised it's fine if you are Mm. that but when you're on a platform that has such a huge following, like you want to highlight, you know, the best messages out of it. Right. So it's like, I I try to focus on more, you know, comfy slice of life things or things that have like objectively positive messages. Yeah. That don't focus on like the waifu stuff. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, I think like there's, there's definitely like a sort of irritating branch of anime fans and it's good to try and like very irritating harry they are yeah. very irritating uh, so, so, apologies, so, so, okay but not really <laughs> i i went to see demon slayer the movie oh cinema, nice uh on wednesday so i'd already seen it online and i saw it again at the cinema nice. uh, i enjoyed it much more the second time around uh oh, yeah. like it's not perfect there's a few things that i have as faults with it but generally mm-hmm. speaking i really enjoy it i think it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun and seeing it in the cinema obviously like, it's the first time i've been back to the cinema since covid so like it was really fucking cool to actually go out, go nice. to the cinema, yes. see a great film. But uh, I just went in and there was just like neckbeards in the front. Oh my God. And then like people came in and these guys came in and like one of them just said, yes, fellow weebs. And I just thought, fucking kill Shut yourself. up. Just, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Like we're just here to watch a film and just shut up. You're, you're not funny. Um <sighs> It kind of reminds me of, I think it's about like two years ago when Dragon Ball Super was in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, the Broly movie. And uh, I think there's a moment when Frieza says something mm-hmm. and one of these like anime twats in the audience <laughs> just went, what? And he kind of like, he, he like laughed and he said, what out loud? And it's not a big deal, but people who speak in the cinema should be fucking shot. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't really mean Har- harsh, but, but, harsh words from Harry. But, but, but no, it is fucking annoying. Because it's, if, if this guy was like shouting out in a way of like, okay, everyone listen to me now. He because, wasn't saying, yes. he, he wasn't yeah. talking to his friend. He was shouting, what? Out loud as if he wanted everyone to listen to him and so laugh Harry, at what he had said. So Harry, yeah. to be fair, that is exactly why, you know, myself in the position of 
responsibility and visibility that I have. Like, I want to try and, you know, kind of direct uh, public sentiment, right? Or or the yeah. anime fan sentiment towards, like, this is how you should be, or this is what a positive thing is, right? Because it's like, a lot of these people, um, you know, and, and uh, like, I'm, you know, 28, so I remember when anime was still very, very niche. A lot of these people, you know, aren't used to, things like uh, anime or just their interests in general being okay in public. So they don't know how to act in public. So yes, there is that element of shut up, you weeb, but there's also the aspect of it. That's, you know, it's okay to be a fan. Just, you know, be mindful of how you're being a fan. I I think that's interesting. That's a devil's advocate argument. I think that's, that's quite cool. And yeah, like, so you're making the argument that a lot of these people, they grew up in a very kind of insular. Yes, exactly. uh, And that, like with his, so, so they, they almost don't have social skills, basically. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, they don't. But it's a large part of it is because for a while and even now, anime and Japanese media has this huge stigmatization to it. Mm. But then the ironic thing is that these people. Oh yes, yes, Harry. I am very like, fully like, aware, to, to, and it makes my job incredibly difficult. Yeah, because it's like you want to break that stigma. For the sake of those people, yet they're the ones who continue it being like that. Because it's like, look, if you stopped being such fucking loser virgin, oh my records, god, like it Apologies. wouldn't be so stigmatized. Apologies but, to all our virgin neckbeard <laughs> listeners. Oh man, all right, we weren't already I, divisive. I, I would, I would imagine anyone listening to this podcast is a virgin neckbeard loser. Oh, whatever. you're in good company, but all, that, that, that's that's my point, Harry. Right? It's like I, all, all four people who listen to this podcast oh are virgin neckbeard losers. <laughs> that, that's all of us, and maybe a friend. <laughs> no, I don't listen to this podcast. Oh wow! But no, but neckbeard loser. <laughs> I'm just being I mean. trapped by the way, Kyle. <laughs> I, I I could tell. I could tell. Yeah, that's just yeah. part of your British blood. Yeah, um, but I, I <laughs> that, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Right? It's like. I, me, you know, as somebody who has access to a huge platform like Xbox, right? It's like, I just want to make this stuff normal. And I, really, this is most like the work that I'm doing and what I want to try and make the environment better for is all of the kids and teenagers now who see this and see that it's okay to be an anime fan. You just have to be, you know, a little polite and mindful about it. And that's the kind of, that's who I'm trying to work for. I'm trying to work for all of the kids. All of you little yeah. weebs who are just discovering that you really like anime, like, it's okay. You're fine. You're working for the kids. Like Michael Jackson. Okay. Like I was going to say more like you, because you're, a, you know, you're working at schools, okay. right? An, but sure, let's go, with the more, let's go with the more controversial person here. He, he can do no wrong. <laughs> well, he can't do anything anymore, but um, He's anyways, <laughs> on that note, yeah, that, that's what my life has been like, Harry. What about you? What have you been watching? Uh, anyway, um, my life's been fine. I've, uh, yeah, kind of similar. I've not had a chance to, like, keep up with much new stuff, uh, but I've been really enjoying the new season of My Hero Academia. Uh, oh, season as five, always. To, to me, is like, it's, yeah, well, I mean, I, I've said it before, season four was, was good, but, like, it was a step down, but I think mm-hmm. season five is back to the sort of, like, top standard I expect from this show. I think uh, this yeah. is getting into uh, material that I haven't, because the last arc that I read was uh, the end of Gentle and then going into Endeavor's focus arc. Right, okay, so it's, this is immediately after that. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah I, I, this the, is the all end, new territory for me. The end of a part is really, really brief, 
And that was covered right at the end of season four. And I think maybe like the first episode of season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is great. No, it's, so it's class 1A against class 1B. And it's big training. Oh, battle. nice. Really? So it's, okay. it's like in groups of like four or five just kind of like fighting each other. So they're it's giving which, side characters screen time that exactly, they should have yeah. I mean, been getting. I think, it's, I think it's about like episode nine, episode 10 of season five now. And Deku's only just coming into it. Oh, nice. So you had Good. all these episodes Good. of side characters and it's been so fun. You've seen all mm-hmm. these new characters from Class 1B as well that we've not seen before mm-hmm. and learning about their quirks for the first time. So it's great fun. It's really out of, cool. Out that- of curiosity, Harry, um, because you're, you're such a huge One Piece fan and it's been a bit mm-hmm. since I've read it actively, but how much screen time would you say Luffy has? Because I know that they've got a very strong like secondary cast. Um, yeah, but- uh, Um. They do give Luffy a lot of screen time uh, and he doesn't usually lead it. And I do think like I'm not alone in the fan base when I, when I say I would love to see some of the side characters, like say Robin, for example, mm-hmm. or Nami, get more battles and get more opportunities uh. to really fight. Um, however, there are moments and I actually think going into this latest manga arc, there's this massive war happening in, mm-hmm. in the, the place that they're in. Um, and this isn't quite where the anime is yet. The anime is catching up to this, but uh, yeah, like, like we're actually starting to see some of these side characters getting more battles now and getting nice. more opportunities to shine. Um, I, was, I, I always say about One Piece, but even when the focus is on Luffy, the story is just so fucking good. <laughs> l- l- like, like it never plays out how you think it will, mm-hmm. and that's so true in these latest manga chapters as well. Like with this big war, um, obviously, I don't want to spoil anything. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's so many things that you think it's going to work out like this. It won't. It will change. Like, like the, the outcomes of battles, the outcomes of yeah. narrative threads, everything's so unexpected. And like, that's I guess, so brilliant about it. I guess that was kind of my issue with uh, where I left off with Hero Academia was it's kind of the, the same arc with Deku where it's like he's unsure of himself, but then he pulls out in the end. And it's like, I, mm. I've seen this like three times before. So, mm. yeah. But that, that, that's good to hear that, you know, they're, they're shifting the focus onto more of the side characters. Because yeah. they do have, like, a really fun cast and all of their quirks are really fun. So that's good to hear. To, to, to me, that's absolutely, like, that's why My Hero Academia is so good. It is the mm-hmm. larger cast of characters. Because uh, they're all so fun and they're all so entertaining. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, One Piece, as always, is fucking great. <laughs> Check it out and, and get caught up with it because it's really good. Uh, but anyways, on to some news topics. Uh, so we've got a kind of a more sad, more heavy main news topic, as I said earlier, but, uh, we'll start with some kind of like lighter bits. Uh, now me and Kyle haven't read these yet. We're brand new to these. So I'm going to read this out loud and, uh, yeah, we'll comment as we go. So Karakawa comments on illegal motorcycle riding depiction in Super Club anime. No, Super Club anime even. All this reading is going well so far. (laughs) (laughs) So so basically... Supercub is all about uh, motorcycling and apparently, according to this article, in episode six of Supercub, uh, Koguma is shown riding a motorcycle together with her friend Reiko, despite the fact that it is illegal in Japan for someone who has owned a motorcycle license for less than a year to ride with another passenger. Ooh, naughty. Uh, it doesn't say ooh, naughty in the article, by the way, that'd be a bit weird. Uh, so this apparent discrepancy drew attention online because of the anime's attention to detail and accuracy. And because the motorcycle manufacturer Honda provided design super supervision for the series. This writing's too small and I can't read it very well, but oh well. Uh, Kadokawa responded to a request for comment from legal news website Bengo4.com regarding the anime's depiction of illegal motorcycle riding. The full statement is translated below. 
Uh, I can't be asked to read this whole article. No, it looks like the gist of it is that Katakala responded. uh, We've got the gist of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, So so what are your thoughts? It's it's interesting with Katakala's response, which is basically just read the source material um, because they explain it uh, and how, like, it's totally above water. Um, I, so I get, I get the response, right? I get the response from Honda because uh, working in PR and marketing myself, companies, brands, and marketing executives are very, very sensitive to any kind of things that can put them in hot water. Mm. So I get the response, but it is a little goofy that uh, Kataka was like, hey, like it's a work of fiction and we're responsible with it. It's just an anime and we didn't have time to explain it fully. Yeah. I guess that does, you know, like, lend credence towards uh, Honda's side, which is, hey, this is kind of dangerous. It, it, it actually kind of reminds me of that event where, because of Yoru Camp, uh, there was apparently a fire, a forest fire that went off in Mexico because an anime fan was like, oh, I'm going to go camping without really knowing how to camp. But Yet at again, that point, anime fans you, are the worst. Oh my god! At that <laughs> point, can you really fault the media? But I guess that that that's a whole debate in and of itself. Like, what what is the yeah. responsibility of media creators, and where does it end? I just feel like people are always going to be fucking idiots, and the only way to stop them doing that would be to just lock them in a small dark room. And just take away all stimulation because they're going to be fucking more. So, like, like if you're going camping and you have no camping knowledge or experience and you start a massive fucking fire in a forest, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. Like, like you're a fucking moron. So when I was working at Starbucks, uh, one of the axioms that we had uh, when dealing with customers in a customer service role was that would a reasonable person get angry or have an issue with this and if the answer is no then the person you're dealing with is not a reasonable person so you do not have to take it personally Mm. so i I think it's very much the same here it's like would a reasonable person like copy what they see in this show without really researching and the answer is no a reasonable person would not so i don't think there's really any responsibility on Katakawa or the manga's part to police or, or like be that strict. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. And like, if you're basing your motorcycle practices <laughs> on a fictional anime, yeah. if you're saying instead of reading the law and learning about this and like actually getting my license and taking it seriously, I'm going to watch a fucking anime and then copy what I see in it. It's just like, you're an idiot. You're not a reasonable person, are you? Um, I mean, out of interest, when you, did you say, was it Starbucks you were working at? Yes, yes, I was. Yeah, mm-hmm. did you ever have any situations with like... Oh, yes, multiple. multiple. Oh, hit me. T- tell me some oh, stories. Oh, God, I can't like, rem- I can't recall that off the top of my head. Really, it's just like people who are like super picky at, or like even super subjective where it's like, oh, this doesn't taste right. And it's like, we, re- we-, we remake their drink the exact same way and they're like, oh, yeah, it's better this time. It's like, what? the fuck are you talking about Mm. yeah so it's just small stuff like that it's like why why is this an issue for you i'd Um, feel so like just rude like going and getting a coffee and just paying a few quid for it and then being like oh this doesn't taste right and taking it back like just 
even if it doesn't taste right, just chalk it's it like, up. Ah, just that ah. wasn't just be like, or just be like, oh, that coffee wasn't great. Oh well, don't go and hassle the people working. Hey, there. We don't Fifth mind thing. remaking it. Just don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> Anyway, that, that, that's, even then, I don't know. I just, I just, I just wouldn't yeah. bother personally. I don't like conflict. It, it, that, that I don't is like hassling people. That is far back in my past at this point. No, let's complain about it. Let's complain about oh it for the whole rest of the episode. Oh my god! Let's dedicate a whole episode to complaining about twats let's, in like the public. Let's who not just just are so entitled that we have to complain about a cup of coffee. Anyway, that's our opinion on motorcycles. Um, <laughs> so. Evangelion film staff went skydiving as research for Epic Battle. Our next topic. Um, yes, next topic. So staff wanted to create a documentary feel to camera work. Uh, again, it's a fairly long article, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the first sentence. Studio Carver's work Twitter account, which documents the day-to-day happenings and production stories of the studio, revealed a behind-the-scenes story about the Evangelion 3.0 plus one. Thrice Upon a Time film on Friday. That's a catchy film title, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, from what I can gather, they, they went skydiving as research for something pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to yeah. shut that down because, yeah, I can't, again, I can't be asked to read the whole article, be here all day. Uh, it's fine. Um, but I, I think just going through this and watching some of the tweets, which, you know, uh, note for later to uh, maybe put this in the article when it gets published. But... Yeah, it's interesting how you can see a lot of the physicality of skydiving being used for these scenes. And that's one of the cool things about animation is just watching or seeing the process and seeing how animators and artists draw from references. Because yeah. uh, what 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 might what what is surprising that it's surprising for a lot of people is that artists use references a lot. It's not plagiarism. It's just you you cannot like. It's it's unreasonable to try and draw that from memory or to try and draw yeah. it just uh, like out of thin air. It's like you need to have a reference, and what better way to do that here than making your own references? Well, that's it. You know, you can't copyright like real life. Like, like, like it's not plagiarism. It's literally like the real world. And mm-hmm. I think something that's really cool about animators, like how they do go above and beyond, just like making sure that everything's very authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think the same stays true for like for like you know live action movies. There's lots of directors and writers who try to make what they write and create very authentic oh, yeah. and very, like, mm-hmm. real. And I think that's really cool. I just really respect anyone who's going above and beyond for their craft and really trying to make sure it's, like, great, not just for, like, casual viewing fans, but people who really know their shit well, as just well. any any sort of art form, really, like, the, the more specific, the better. I, I am always an advocate of specificity, um, and if you can, like, draw from real experiences, like, your audience is going to feel that they're going to feel like the sincerity behind it and like looking at Mm. a lot of these clips right it's like if you look through like this feels very specific it feels like they're drawing from you know very thrilling specific experiences and it shows yeah totally yeah so yeah anyway next news topic uh so the guinness world records have certified that attack on titans world record for the largest comic book is in fact a world record um, yeah, so, so, so they've like made a massive fucking Attack on Titan book. Uh, and it's like, how tall is it? It is one meter. Yeah, one meter tall. Um, pretty fucking cool. And, and like, it's, it's an official world record for like the biggest comic book published. Oh my God, 30 uh, pounds. Which is, it's pretty surreal. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's certainly like a, a, an interesting way to kind of like, uh, I guess stamp the end of Attack on Titan because it's coming to the end, isn't it? 
Yes, yeah, it is. It's it's nearing the yeah. end. But but Harry, is it interesting enough to where you would pay about fifteen hundred U.S. dollars for it? I don't know how much that is in pounds. Oh, is that what someone's done? Uh, 50, yeah, it I mean, says the, the copies cost 165,000 yen, which are about 1540 USD each. So, so, so what? So $1,500. That's, I don't know, that's probably maybe like 900 and something pounds. It says so, no. 1,100 pounds sterling. Oh, okay, so it's a bit more than I thought. Would you yeah, pay I mean, 1,100 pounds for a no, giant monk? No. <laughs> no? Okay, that was no. an immediate no. But, but if I was rich with lots of disposable income, I definitely oh, would. That's fair. That's very fair. I mean, I mean, if I had disposable income and I just had, like, like if I was a millionaire, yeah, I'd get it. Because <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool, isn't it? Because, like, that, to a millionaire, that's the same as maybe us spending, like, 20 quid on something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So would I buy that book for 20 quid? Well, Fuck yeah. Harry, there's your motivation to be a millionaire so that you can buy this gigantic manga. Yes, buy a gigantic manga for a series I have mixed feelings on. That's <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> That's, there you go. Life goals. Life goals. Yeah. I've not actually... Uh, I don't know how far you got with the anime, but I've not finished season four yet, the, le- the latest season. I uh, I got really bored when it, when it kind of... Mm. As the attention became more and more away from the Titans... I'm more into the sort of the world building politics. of the human conflict. Oh, so yeah, the I, politics. I like, I like world building. I like world building. So I, 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 I guess it really I depends. normally, I love world building when it's done well and when it's compelling and interesting. I just didn't care for the world building in Attack on Titan. Mm. I felt like as a premise, it, it was really, really effective, but it was almost like a horror where it's very much these characters trying to fight against the Titans and you don't know much about the Titans. They're mysterious, kind of evil almost unbeatable beings. Yeah. And that to me was really, really interesting. And the more we've learned about the Titans, the less scary they've become mm-hmm. because the more normalized their abilities have become. Right. Does that kind of make sense? No, yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess it really depends on like, if you're able to like be flexible with what you get out of something and you aren't completely committed yeah. to, I want this to be how this series is for the rest of its run. Right. Yeah, no, of course. So. I, I, think, I, I don't mind stuff changing. I'm totally fine with stuff changing if that change feels really, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and, and, I, and I get that. I, yeah. I've, for me, I kind of just felt like this human-related conflict just isn't as interesting as season one of the anime, where it's for humans against the Titans mm-hmm. in this fucked-up world. That, yeah. to me, was so compelling. Um, and when you take that away from it, it's just, eh, I don't well, know. Well, speaking of a fucked-up world, Harry, you want to breathe through your asshole? Oh, I mean, I, that's what I've always wanted. Kyle, well, hit us with the next topic. I will hit you with the next topic because uh, in breaking news, life-saving technique to deliver oxygen-carrying liquid through anus gets named after Evangelion. So it looks Ooh. like a team at uh, Tokyo Medical and Dental University uh, published a study showing that oxygen-carrying liquid delivered through the anus can be used as respiratory treatment on mice and pigs. And they have called, uh, the, the study's author, uh, Takanori Takebe, uh, called it the Ava method. Uh, so, I don't, have you seen Evangelion? 
Harry? I've not. I, I need to watch it. I, I know bits about it, but I know it's like Okay, so in Ava, uh, there is uh, the, the mech suits that they're in, right? And mm. part of it, it it's, it's all one giant metaphor for the womb. And part of that is that the, the mech suit chamber, or the, the pilot seat, uh, gets filled with liquid. And it's a liquid it's a magic sci-fi liquid that once you in like ingest it it transfers oxygen so you're able to quote unquote breathe underwater uh so mm. yes it is um taking inspiration from that this uh respiratory treatment uh, is called the ava method because you're able to breathe through your asshole um so presumably, you know, a hundred years from now, when we all have mech suits, we'll be in little water-filled pods and breathing through our butts. Nice. Um, and interestingly, it looks like Shinji's voice actress, uh, the protagonist of the series, uh, commented on Twitter, quote unquote, taking LCL, LCL is the liquid in Ava, taking LCL through the anus. I've never done anything like that before. What's going on, Father? Misato-san. Will the hashtag Ava method save us from coronavirus? Um, mm. Yeah. So it's a... Uh, it's a pretty weird story, I can't lie. That, that's Honestly, that, that's one of the things I love just about anime. And what I was talking yeah. about earlier with X, my work through Xbox is like, anime fans, as it gets more popular, we are getting into many different fields of work. Uh, so you will see references like this pop up uh, in the most unexpected of places. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, now I can look forward to the future, knowing that this is what waits for us. Pucker now up. I can, uh, I can feel excited for the future of humanity. You can feel Brilliant. stimulated. Um, okay. Speaking of stimulation and my <laughs> work through Xbox earlier, um, <laughs> I, I was I was trying to make a clever segue. I don't think that was that clever. No, I, but, I like it. I, I think it's a good segue. Oh, you know what? As long as you like it, Harry, that's all that matters. Um, but for the next news topic, uh, so we talked about VTubers before, and the one company that we've talked about is Hololive because they were really the the first big, um, sizable uh, Japanese com- VTuber company to really make a push for an English-speaking audience. Uh, and following very close on them is Niji Sanji, uh, who has just announced the launch of its first English virtual YouTuber group titled Lazulite. Uh, the members of the group are Elera Pandora, Palmu Rainpuff, and Fanana Ryugu. And they have... Yeah, VTuber. Where do I even start with VTubers? So VTubers are such an interesting phenomenon because... I I think they're the future of media sharing, um, and I will continue shilling them till the day I die because I think it's just a win-win for everybody because, you know, you, you have streamers, right? But the anonymity of it is such a huge boon to the creator because they don't have to worry about being doxxed or harassed. I mean, there's still people that will try and dig into the past, um, but there is far more shielding um, allowing them to be safe and allowing them to just kind of express themselves. Um, You know, case in point, like uh, the the new Nijisanji group, Lazulite, they they just have such a... So the, the premise of it is like, 
fantasy um, and, and fairy stuff. So uh, the three personalities, we have Elora Pandora, who is described as a sky dragon who came from the heavens closest to the sun. She has the kindness and receptiveness that makes the light of a sunny day fall equally on all. And uh, we also have Palmu Rainpuff, who is a fairy who lived in a lush forest, supple like a flower in the breeze, cheerful and optimistic. And finally, there is Finana Ryugu, a mermaid who spends her time with tropical fish in the sea of coral reefs, has a heart as clear and pure as calm as the calm and beautiful sea. And uh, Niji Sanji describes the concept for this group as uh, follows. Their story begins now in search for the heart's melody. Lazulite journeys through the present like diamond lights guiding to rainbow skies. So first off, this is very flowery. Right, but there, there's a certain charm to that, right? And it's just really. So, how familiar are you with wrestling, Harry? Uh, not very familiar. But I'm but you you, you get the concept, <laughs> right? Where it's like people, I, I, it, it's people on stage. I I know what wrestling is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that that's effectively what VTubers are. It's they're personas um, that are playing a character, and the audience mm. knows it's fake, but you know they're they're having fun just kind of RPing together. And, and that's really what it is. And that's, you know, it, it, for, even though I haven't really watched much of Niji Sanji, I, I've watched, I, I've checked in on a few of their streams. It's just really cool to, this is what I'm talking about with um, you know, anime stuff being more mainstream, right? Because it's like, these VTubers, um, a lot of their content is primarily based around video game playing. Um, so because of that, that opens up the opportunity for a lot of sponsorship, a lot of collaborations, like Xbox Game Pass has actually collaborated with a lot of Hololive VTubers to showcase, uh, the Game Pass service. Um, and it's kind of a win-win for everybody because it's a win for the VTubers because they get paid, um, right? And, you know, it's a win for the viewers because they get to make content, uh, or they get to see, you know, new content. And it's a win for the companies because they get a really devoted fan bases who are exposed to these uh, media. Um, and it's just, it's just such a positive way to spread anime just into the wider cultural sphere. So I am very happy that Niji Sanji is pushing out an English branch um, and I hope to see much more of it. Mm. fun times yeah I, I mean like i don't follow it but i know how much you like it and i know how much matt likes it as well so like i hope just even just for your sake it, it does get bigger and it does grow it, it's it's exactly what we were talking about earlier harry where it's you know i, I just want this to be more normalized because it, it, it is a cool concept um and you know yes personally there is the waifu part of me that really likes seeing cute anime girls get popular but there is also just the fact that because they are public facing and you know they have to or even you know, want to like be these public idols right they're they're, they're spreading positive messaging you know and, and that's yes, one yes, of the yes. things that i've loved about the hollow live community is that for the most part they are very well behaved um and very supportive and very optimistic and kind but that is in very large part to the you know vtubers themselves like reining their fan base in yeah 
I think that's noble as well. Everyone who's got like a more kind of niche interest wants that thing to become popular mm. and wants it to become normalised. So yeah, I fully get it. So fingers crossed it will happen. Mm. Anyway, uh, we're going to our main topic now. It might be a bit of a change of gear, but um, this is the, this week the, uh, the creator of Berserked Manga, uh, Kentari Miura, he passed away. He was 54 uh, and he passed away due to acute erotic dissection. Uh, aortic. I'm not, uh, sorry? Aortic, I think. Aortic, right. Okay, this is why I'm not a, a medical person. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's so fucking sad because here's a guy who devoted pretty much, I mean, like the best part of his life to, to writing Berserk, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a kind of dark fantasy manga that, that influenced so many people and not just manga artists, like people across the pond, like, like you know, People making stuff that's completely different. Uh, it's influenced so much of a kind of gothic, horror, fantasy, medieval kind of genre, which is a pretty wide-ranging re- genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the fact that he's passed away at such a young age, so unexpectedly, is just horrible. Uh, Kylie, you've read all of Berserk, haven't you? Yes. Um, I haven't read like some of the more recent ones because uh, Miura was actually updating over the past couple of years, uh, sporadically, when he could. But yeah, I... It's such a unique series uh, because not, yes, obviously there is the the cool aspect of it where it's dark, brutal, uh, grim, dark horror fantasy with cool fights, cool monsters and like kick-ass fights and all of that. But through it all, there is just this underlying message of positivity and optimism in the face of darkness that just really embodies like what the human experience is because the main cast of characters have suffered so much trauma but the series but like the part that you're on Harry like you said you're in the the golden age right now so yeah I Guts has just kind of met Griffith properly and he, he's mm-hmm. fought him uh, at the camp where Casca is mm-hmm. uh, so he's just kind of starting to talk to Griffith now okay and uh, that's where I'm at yeah yeah but you've already seen like how dark it gets Right. And like oh, yeah, how, yeah, how it I mean, covers like been... very, very rough, very like real things that just trauma. Uh, yeah. It, there's been yeah. plenty of flickers of that. And I know that it gets worse later on. Yeah. And the thing about, and like the beauty of Berserk, the, the actual like real beauty to it is that you will suffer. Um, and these characters do suffer. They, they go through horrific trauma and they like struggle with it. But the beauty of Berserk is that they try to move on from it. They figure out how to rely on other people to get past their trauma and understand that while it is a part of them, it doesn't define who they are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And I think there's a, there's lots of series that have, have tried to be very bold in their storytelling and very kind of uh, close to the bone in some of the things they do. Mm-hmm. But from what I know, Berserk tends to handle those kind of more taboo topics really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, it doesn't sensationalize them or, or shoehorn them in randomly. It actually gives narrative context to them. Um, mm-hmm. From what I understand, uh, he he was just such a brave storyteller where he was very, very kind of confident and brave where other people wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just have to respect that. I respect anyone who's like really kind of nailing their flag to the mast and yeah. saying, this is what I do, this is what I care about, and, and I 
I don't care about taking risks. I can, I, I will do it. I will go there. Yeah. And the other thing about Mira's work too, and just what like defines how he approached things is kind of like I was talking about earlier when we were discussing the, uh, Ava animators who were skydiving. It's just, there's a huge amount of specificity to the work that Mira does. You can tell that he loved, you know, the medieval Renaissance uh, art aesthetic. He, he had such a huge appreciation for it. He had such a huge appreciation for history um, and for the way that humanity has evolved through very violent times. But, you know, we still manage to, claw our way through and there in a in a, an absolute garbage world there is still a flicker of hope in humanity within us which you know yeah. is he he puts that like the, the way he embodies that it just in every page it's so detailed every frame every page really is a painting um well, i mean I, i'm not an artist but i can tell especially mm. compared to some of the other mangas i've read um, his art is just fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, like, the amount of detail in some of the frames, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, how has he drawn that? Yeah. Like, I and, just, I, you, you see why, like, it, it, it takes him so long. Like, to, to oh, yeah. Yo, absolutely. Like, ab ab absolutely. Like, look at the level of detail in this stuff is just insane. But it's because he, he has a vision for this world and he wants to share it. And it, is so effective at, especially for the, the the tone, right? And the topic of it, which is very dark fantasy and very, um, I feel like the word is overused, but it really is gritty. Uh, just, it's a very raw story. And what makes it so raw is how specific he gets. Like he'll draw like people being disemboweled. He'll draw like hundreds of like soldiers on a battlefield. He'll draw like these absolutely grotesque creatures but it's because of that specificity because of placing his readers in those spaces of abject horror that when it calms down when it slows down when you're just there with guts like contemplating it hits so much harder mm. yeah totally and and um yeah, I think it's really cool so far. Even just a little bit I've read. Um, as I got into the Golden Age stuff, I started to really, really enjoy it. Um, and I, I can see why it's so acclaimed and why it's inspired so many people, the, the amount of, like, detail that goes in. I think what's really tragic, and, mm. and I really hope this has changed in the future, um, there's yet to be a genuinely great anime adaptation. That That is, um, yeah, I, I haven't looked into them, but that's what I've heard. Um, so from what yeah. I know, there was the original one, which I think was from like the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, so it's obviously very dated now. And uh, from what I know, it's all right. People quite like it. Mm -hmm. But it eventually kind of finishes in a non-canon -can uh, way. Uh, what's the word? Non-canonical? Non-canonical. That? Yeah, that's a non-canonical way because it, it surpassed the manga. Mm. So, and it also obviously doesn't continue to the manga. From, from what I know... Uh, it gets into some really great territory after the anime, but the anime didn't continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's a decent adaptation, but it's incomplete. And then obviously in more recent years, they've done this, this new anime adaptation, but it's all 3D anime. Oh God, yeah. That, so I, I, think, rem 
I remember when that came out and there were so many people joking online and sharing like clips from it because the audio mixing and you, Harry, I think you take particular offense to this. The audio mixing is awful. Like Mm. when they're fighting with swords and like clashing metal against metal, it sounds like somebody banging a wooden spoon against a pot. Really? Yeah, it's all. I'll I'll see if I can find a clip, but it, it sounds awful. Um, I think it it, it's just really so unfair because when the original work is so acclaimed for mm-hmm. its storytelling, its visual storytelling, and the fact that the, the art is phenomenal, it, you just think, well, surely this should go to a great studio. This should be like Mapper or Madhouse mm-hmm. or Bone, Bones, any good, competent, solid studio. Uh, or UFO Table, fucking if UFO Table did it. I, I feel like UFO Table would do a really good job because uh, you yeah. have to like keep in mind like with animation like what are you gaining from it and in order to actually gain something from animation you have to innately understand what the appeal of the original or the source material is right so it's like i I haven't watched past like season two um but jojo is a really good anime adaptation because what it offers is this striking color and this sense of motion to everything um as well as like great like soundtracks and it offers like a much not not a fuller experience but a very different unique one from the manga yeah totally um yeah i mean i love jojo and i think it's it's really well adapted and i really think berserk deserves that it deserves a great faithful fully canon uh fully authentic adaptation it's just I, I, with, I'm, solid, with solid animation and solid presentation i'm trying to and, think like what would an animation like what would you bring to the table right because it's like you you've seen miura's style and the berserk just aesthetic and the feel and tone translated to things like you know dark souls and bloodborne and even things like resident evil village mm. um but it's like what 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 would an animation offer yeah I don't know. I, I think what animation could do is mm-hmm. make it so much more accessible and uh, popular and it could bring it to so many more people. Yeah there's, they, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of people who don't necessarily want to read a manga, but they want to watch That's animation. fair. Yeah. But it's like, what, what about for the people who do, you know, read it and do like, you know, hold Mira's work on a pedestal and yeah. like, what, like what oh, would yeah. an animation bring? Like aside from, but, I guess the, the fluidity of fights um, uh, that, that's no. where, yeah, if the animation was stunningly well done, if, if the quality of animation and the quality of the drawings was matching the original manga, that's mm-hmm. what it would be bringing. It would be bringing that motion, that presentation. Um, yeah. But right now, it's like, you know, you, you look at the, the anime on work and the anime that's on display, and it's just like, no, it's just not better in mm-hmm. any way than the manga. Um, and I think anime is great because, you know, it can, it can incorporate music, it can incorporate sound effects and things that you can't get in the original source material. But in this instance, it's like, no, like, like the manga's better because it's, yeah. it, it actually looks good. It actually looks nice to look at. Yeah, I, that, that's um, the hard part is like, be, because Mira's work is, you know, I would argue like one of the like prime examples of what manga as a medium can offer. It's like, how do you top that? Right. Mm. 
So, you know, it's like whatever magic studio out there that eventually gets this right, you know, they'd have to do the same thing that I, I forget the studio who animates Jojo, but they'd have to do the same thing. It's like, what exactly is the appeal of Jojo? And it's how bombastic and over the top it is. And that translates into color and music. Right? Yeah. So it's like, what would that translate to with a Berserk anime? Yeah. But all, yeah, all this stuff, uh, yeah. I think you can tell when when an anime studio is a fan of the source material. Mm, mm. Um, and I, I think it was similar story just about Dr. Stone, where like I watched a little behind the scenes of that. Mm. And uh, I think the director was saying, like, we're a fan of Dr. Stone at the studio. And it's, it's cool because, like, you watch the anime and you can tell that the animation's good. Uh, and you can tell they've really gone all in to make a solid adaptation. And well, it's like, yeah, so, I, I, can... I mean, let's dig into that a little deeper. Like, what what what, what shows for you? Like what? What? What shows that they are fans? I feel like the degree of consistent polish, mm. where mm-hmm. it it does it doesn't need to be consistently polished, but it is. I see. Do you know what I mean because you can see when a studio is just chasing a quick book, and it's like, oh, um, here is the fight scene. Here's where we're going to where we're going to put yeah, like all of our budget. They're just quickly putting it together. Yeah, they're just quickly putting it together. But then when you can you can see when it's like this is consistently well animated. The audio is good. The voice acting is good. Everything about this is consistently strong. Mm. And it's like, well, they've done that because they actually care. They actually mm-hmm. value the source material. Like, I've no doubt Bones actually like My Hero Academia. They actually care about the source material. I mm. want it to be good. Um, and and this is the thing. I would love a studio who's actually a fan of Berserk, who actually loves Berserk and loves me always work uh, to, to animate it. And I think the thing, the thing that makes me sad is that the current studio doing it, I don't know who it is, but like by them repeatedly butchering it, it's kind of, it's, it's holding it hostage. It's yeah. not allowing anyone else to have a go at it. It's not allowing any other better, more competent, more passionate <laughs> yeah. to take a crack at it themselves. So um, I hope that, that for the sake of Miura's legacy, uh, I hope that someone gets to do it. Uh, but it, his influence is just, is just phenomenal. I, I mean... What franchises and things would you say have been influenced by Berserk? I mean, obviously, there's all of the FromSoft games, which are just very raw. Uh, they're not ripoffs because they are very much their own unique thing. But they they take that brand of like dark gothic horror um, and you know transpose it into a very very engaging you know game format. Um, so there's that. Mm. Um, off the top of my head. Uh, I know that the Castlevania series has been drawing a lot from that um, and taking from, you know, like all, all, just a, a lot of the way that they like do dark fantasy. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> well, I, I think yeah. I actually read a little interview where uh, it was the people who did the Castlevania series and they said like, yeah, we, we love, we love Mira's work and, uh, mm-hmm. Berserk was a direct inspiration. So yeah, like, it's just, I just find it sad when an artist or or any kind of creative who has so much more to tell and so much more to do just passes away so suddenly like this. It it just doesn't feel fair. You know, know, he had so much more to do. The fact that he can never finish this story, the fact that he can never actually pen that final chapter and, and draw it and draw that last ever shot and he can fully close this story. Like the fact that he can never do that, I think is really sad. 
But um, at the very least, like, what he... It, it is rough, right? Because it's like, you know, Mira is not going to be able to finish it and never will be able to finish it. But the work that he does leave behind is still just staggeringly better than most everything else you could find in the market. Yeah, completely. And it's I mean, like, I, I, it says a lot about the quality of the work that an unfinished work is still like, like I would still recommend people read Berserk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is it. It's like, I've only read the first chunk of it. And even from that, it's like, I see the potential here. I see why it's really good. And knowing that it's only going to get better. Cause I'm assuming it does. I'm assuming it just oh, yeah. gets better, oh, yeah. and better, oh, and better. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why it's just like, if I'm enjoying it this much early on, I can only imagine how much I'm going to be enjoying it later. Uh, and yeah, I've, I think shows have have it. Shows and, and mangas and, and, and pieces of art that can get better with time. It's just so, so good. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just think it's so sad that he's gone. And uh, I, I I hope that, because I like to think it's what he would have wanted. I hope that his his editor or those closest to him artistically couldn't finish this story for him. That's what I've um, heard is that, you know, he was, you know, talking to like his assistants and editors and they know how the series ends and there is a yeah. plan in place. It's just, you know, it's, it's just not going to have Mira's hand in it anymore, which yeah. on the one hand, like, you know, it, it will be sad. Right. And you know, there, there's going to be expectations, right. And probably unreasonable expectations, but I think Berserk, you know, is still something that deserves to be sent off and finished. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I've got my fingers crossed and, and I, I feel like, I mean, another point, I, I guess Game of Thrones is huge, obviously. Oh, yeah? But, but Berserk predates Game of Thrones, doesn't it? It, it started 89, I think. And I yeah. think A Song of Ice and Fire, the first book, was in the 90s. Yeah. And even then, like, yeah. you know, the, the show adaptation, I'm sure that there's some sort of just... The, the way that they treat the grounded fantasy aspect is very yeah. distinctly berserk. Um, yeah. And just w- with the raw brutality of everything. Oh, another thing uh, that <laughs> Guts is uh, definitely influenced is uh, giant two-handed anime swords. Yes. <laughs> Which is very important, and I'm honestly not joking about that. Like, just giant, uh, big, mean, fuck you swords are super cool. Yeah, and, I mean, Cloud yeah. is one of the most iconic video game characters yeah. ever. And that is arguably due to his sword. Yeah. And that's from Guts. So, so, so you do just think, if Berserk had never been written, if Miura had never done this, I, I think a lot of, of pop culture and fiction would be different. Honestly, yeah, no, I mean, he, a lot he, of video it, games, it a really, lot of a lot of fantasy series, a lot of stuff. And the thing about it too, with Berserk, is like what you don't see in like a lot of there, there are very few manga that have global reach. Like Berserk has fans across the world, like everywhere, yeah. and not not just globally, but like in like mainstream spotlights. Like Dark Souls is an internationally recognized property. And that is like, you know, I'll keep bringing it up, but that's like the best example of how Miura has influenced like a a work that has gotten as popular as his own, if not more. Like I would say, you know, I'm not saying anything about the quality, but I'd argue that Dark Souls has like a much wider reach than Berserk. But Dark Souls wouldn't be like 
the franchise it is without Berserk. Yeah, yeah, completely. Like, I think being able to reference something like Berserk as like the kind of go-to gothic, dark, horror, fantasy sort of thing, I mean, it's, it's an incredible referencing point. And the, the coolest thing about Berserk 2 is like 30 years later, it still holds up. Like, and yeah. you, you know, you, you can vouch for that, Harry, right? Like just reading through, you know, oh, the yeah. first few arcs, it's like, it still is a great read. Yeah, it doesn't feel dated. It, it, it absolutely does not feel dated at all. Look, looking at the art style, I wouldn't think, oh, this was done 30 years ago. I'd think, did this come out yesterday? No, this is 30 years old. But it looks so, so fucking slick. Mm-hmm. The detail and the art style, it's just incredible. Like, clearly he was just a, a ridiculously talented guy. Um, and yeah, it's, it's sad that he's gone. But I take it also... This means your recommendation for the episode is Berserk. <laughs> hey, look at I that. that, 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 that you know what? Harry, talking segue. about segues. That's a really good segue. Yeah. I have to I have to draw particular attention to that. But yes, my, my recommendation would wholeheartedly be Berserk. Um, mm. It is in a extreme wild roller coaster that shows humanity at its absolute worst and its absolute best. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've only read the start of it, but I, I agree. I, I would recommend it. Uh, so far, I think it's fucking great. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna read more, definitely. Uh, I know the, the deluxe books online have been oh, sold God, out. I need to... they, they've been selling. Oh, loads. I know. Oh, I, need, I should have gotten them. I, I've been eyeing them for a I've, long time. I've, I've got the first two. And that's oh, all that's I've been right, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's nice really quality? Good, good quality books? Oh, oh, great, great quality. I'll tell you what I noticed. I didn't realize this at first. So, mm-hmm. like, do you know if hardbacks, when you open them out and the spine bends? Yeah. And it's really annoying. This doesn't happen. So, like, you open it out and the, the pages are attached to this sort of, like, soft spine on the inside. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've seen those, yeah. The chunky spine is on the outside. And then there's, so, like, like, a, you, like, kind of a cloth that it's glued onto. Yeah, yeah, so you can kind of, like, kind of stretch it open and the back piece of the book, the, the actual main spine, won't be damaged at all. Yeah. So, and I didn't realize that for ages. I was reading it really carefully, and I just realized, hang on, they're not actually attached to that main spine. I can open this properly. Yeah. Oh. So, so, yeah, it's good quality, good pages, like big chunky pages. It's uh, yeah, it's great. Like if you want to read it, then definitely uh, pick them up online. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to read more, and uh, it's it's just a really sad time. But um, at least Mira has left something behind. But it's just absolutely fucking phenomenal. His legacy I, I will will yeah. will not be forgotten. It is mm. legitimately not just like one of the best manga out there. It is one of the best pieces of art. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. So again, I'm saying that after only reading a bit of it, so I know. Um. <laughs> but yeah, good times. Uh. Anyways, Kyle, where can we find you online? You can find me, um, at like the road on Twitter, but you'll probably find me more at Xbox, where I occasionally uh, tweet about anime when I'm not busy being a corporate capitalist shill. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm uh, Chorus and Music on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a new EP. I've oh, nice. Got anything like fully concrete, but I've been like working on lots of ideas over time. It's, uh, it's just good fun. Uh, but yeah, like, I think it's been a fun episode. We're just under an hour. So, so yeah, it's a nice, concise, neat, tidy episode. Uh, next time, I imagine Matt will be back with us. Uh, so yeah, like we'll see you soon in about three-ish weeks. And uh, yeah, all the best, everyone. Bye. <laughs>